When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What we've got here is failure to communicate. And it get hot. I got a lot of. I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. With your host, Mike Paul. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mike Paul cast. I am your host, Mike Paul. So this episode is inspired by everybody on the left. Because every time I turn on a news program... Every time I hear a governor from a blue state speak, every time Nancy Pelosi or Dr. Fauci speak, uh, the common theme I always hear is we need to follow the science and trust science and follow science, yada, yada, yada. So I'm not a scientist. I don't know that much about science beyond my um, you know, high school education and uh, a little bit of aviation post-high school. But if I'm going to talk on it and I want to form an argument to dispute or even agree with whatever anyone else is saying, I first got to do some research. So I went and found a scientist, somebody who actually knows what he's talking about and is qualified to speak on it. Um, so my guest today is Greg Morin. Uh, just to give some of Greg's credentials, Greg holds a Bachelor's of Science and Chemistry from Emory University. He holds a Master's of Science Chemistry from Emory University and a Ph.D. from University of Notre Dame. So, far more qualified than myself to speak on science. I trust his input and value what he tells me about his findings and everything about the COVID mask controversy and uh, the those vaccine that's uh, potentially coming out shortly. Um, you know, not everything Greg says necessarily reflects my opinion. Um, I... I value everything he says, and uh, it, it seems to be a very compelling argument. Um, but if there's something that anyone disputes, I'm happy to have anyone else's point of view on the show that's qualified to speak on these. So if there's a scientist who disagrees with any of the claims made, um, you're welcome to come on. And, and that's the proper way to form an argument is you look at all sides of an issue and take away your own uh, argument or narrative from from your findings. And then you're, you can talk uh, with an educated argument to people when they when they tell you about following science so the mask thing it's a very uh, politicized and controversial issue in our society 
And I, I don't know much about it. The, I, you know, the whole mask thing makes sense at face value, no pun intended, um, that it probably stops some kind of flow of, of bacteria. But I honestly don't know because I'm not a scientist. But what I am is a student of history. And the thing that concerns me the most is forced compliance and people ratting on their neighbors. And when you look at all the other earmarks we have going on in our society, uh, this essential worker thing where people were having to carry around papers in their car in case they got pulled over to to prove to the police that they're essential to society. Um, You hear the word curfew getting thrown around all the time. Uh, the left is talking about re-education camps for Trump voters. Um, it's a very, very, very concerning and slippery slope uh, because it's very reminiscent and parallel of Nazi Germany. So, without further ado, we're going to talk some science with Greg Morin. All right, Greg, well, welcome to the Mike Paulcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is a great honor to be, uh, I think, the fourth guest so far uh fifth yeah yeah i put out on the gene epstein yesterday okay so um yeah so i want to bring you on because i heard you talk on the tom woods podcast uh, a couple months back um and you had uh done a lot of research about the effectiveness of masks um i'm not a scientist and unlike most people i encounter in public i don't pretend to be i don't understand if you know make an argument for or against them um at face value that it makes sense to me people wear a mask uh you know it should be stopping something but i don't know um but what i am seeing is a lot of it's like the masks are becoming almost uh like a religious article of clothing like a yarmulke or a burqa um it's to show society that you've accepted the science capital s science as your lord and savior um and it's like people are putting them you know, wearing their mask in their profile pictures on social media. They're wearing them in their car by themselves. Right. They're riding bikes down the path with them on. And it's, it's more of a, to, to show that you, you accepted the experts and you subscribe to the mainstream opinion more than it is trying to stop a disease. So what are your thoughts on, on the, the mask in our society today? Uh, yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And that, that was you know, an observation that I've had as well. And I, and I think more people are picking up on that because it, it really does mirror the, the, the way people have sort of a religiosity um, around it, that the, the, the mask is sort of like the crucifix for the Christian, that by wearing it, you are um, signaling to everyone that you are an adherent to the faith. And um, so you're, you're signaling that you're, you're on the good team. And that's one of the things that really kind of propelled me and disturbed me the most as a scientist. I have a degree in, chem- in chemistry, um, doctorate in chemistry. And so, you know, while not being an epidemiologist, that doesn't necessarily mean that one is completely without basis to comment on the ideas of science themselves, because that's what's being thrown around is not you know, mask science per se. And there's really, there's no particular field of mask science or a <laughs> degree in mask studies. So it certainly makes sense for anyone that has a, a training in a scientific background to look at these claims and see, do they make any sense on their, on their face? And so this sort of fetishization of the science is what really kind of started setting me down this path because it was, I found it very irritating as a science. It's like, this is not, science is not faith-based, you don't just simply say, well, believe the science and then walk away. There's more to it than simply invoking 
this this magical term and and now you've proven your case um so basically what i did is i started looking at the actual research paper so when you go to you, you read these articles online and they'll they'll say a study shows or a study indicates and the layperson who's not a scientist or has a science background will just kind of read right past that. Okay, well, the study, somebody did something and, you know, they did their sciencey stuff and they showed that this, this is true. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sort of a, a, an indicator to me as a scientist, like, okay, well, what exactly did you do? So in scientific papers, everything is, has a citation. So when you make any significant point or you were, you were referencing back to prior research, you cite that information. You cite the prior research, the prior knowledge on that, so that the interested scientists can go back and look at, well, what is your basis for making this particular claim or statement? Or, you know, there's going to be information here that will be helpful for me as I move forward in the particular area of research that I'm in that the paper is covering. So basically, that's what I did. You know, on the internet, obviously, you can click through to the links. So I clicked through, and usually what you ended up with was a link to another article. Uh, And then you had to click through that to find a link to another article and then another. And then finally, eventually you got down to the actual scientific paper. So that's sort of the, the nature of, I guess, media these days that you know, one person comes up um, with an article and then everyone sort of just copies that and, and cites it over and over. Um, so in any event, getting down to the actual paper, I could then read through the paper and I was extremely astonished that in basically every case, what was passing as quote unquote, a study proving you know, that masks work, case closed, were based on either three different scenarios. One but that was very common with the contrafactual, the, the claim that, well, we hypothecated in this model or a statistical analysis showed that the number of cases would have been this had we not done this. And so they basically project what it would have been. And then they say, well, then we did the math or we did this lockdown and see the cases, the difference between the modeled amount and the actual amount is different. Therefore we can conclude that, you know, masks save lives. And that on its face, that is, that is not, that's not the proper use of models in science. Models have a role. Uh, typically the role is not to be a, a post hoc proof analysis, which is basically what they're, they're, um, they're using in these situations. So normally you have a hypothesis and you make predictions or you analyze that hypothesis and you collect data. And then based on that data, you can see how your hypothesis is working. And if you have enough data, then you can come up with a model that will basically predict what you would expect. Now that's gonna vary depending on you know, the area of study, whether it's chemistry or physics or whatever. So there's different types of models, but there'll be computer models. So once you have that model and you make your prediction, then you can see and go and do this additional study and see if your model was accurate and did it make that prediction. So that's fine, the model's fine if you're going to predict a future event, event that you can actually check and verify, did it occur or not? If it didn't, then you go back, you analyze your premises, you adjust your model if needed, or you throw out the hypothesis because it's, it's completely unworkable. But in this case, if you've made a post hoc analysis with a model, you can say, well, this is what it would have been in the past. So there's really no way to check that. It's, it's basically, it's a term used in science is falsifiability and it's not falsifiable. There's no way to prove that claim without, you know, if we had some sort of machine that allowed us to go to an alternate universe <laughs> and analyze what would have actually happened. Um, you know, there are limited situations where, you know, that, that could be useful, but for the way that they were making the claims, they, 
I found to be ir very irresponsible because it's very easy with these models. I've, I've used them in the past to simply adjust a few uh, assumptions, your baseline starting assumptions and just tiny little tweaks and you can get wildly different numbers. And so it's very easy to kind of fine tune it and get the number that you want. Um, so let me stop there because I've, I've been talking the entire time. I didn't know if you, oh. me, if you have any questions or want to bring any other. No, um, really what I, I'd like to hear you, uh, the actual facts that you've looked into and what uh, the effectiveness you would believe of the masks. I mean, is it something that it helps if everyone in society is, is wearing a mask? Is, is that really slow in the spread? Is there any evidence to support that? No, there's really not. I mean, there's, so there's, th there's, there's three different ways to look at it. So one is strictly the, the scientific method way that, you know, we're going to analyze this in isolation. We're going to control as many variables as we can. And do we see a, an effect in the lab? So that's one set of things. And then there's a policy position, which is, well, okay, if it does seem to work, does it even make sense to do this? It's, there's a cost benefit analysis. And then the third way to analyze it, which I think right now, really, it's kind of making all the other um, studies irrelevant because we've had enough data. We have enough long-term evidence for different regions, different countries, different states with mask mandates, levels of mask compliance that now we can chart these and look at them on charts. And, and Tom Woods has been great at mm -hmm. um, making that information public every time he speaks about it. And he, it's complete, it's, it's so true that yeah. the, the I saw you. rationalground.com, I think that's the one he uses the most where you just look at these charts and countries with different mask mandates and guess where the mandate started. And there's, there's absolutely no correlation at all. Like the, the mandate, you know, they have a mandate and then it's flat. Like the mandate comes after the curve after the curve has peaked, or they'll start it right when it's really low, and then it will shoot up. And there's there's no way that you would be able to predict or differentiate between a country that had a mandate and that did not. Um, and it's even worse than it appears because a lot of the countries, like the example of the United States, or even when they compare different states, they might say, well, Georgia, okay, Georgia doesn't have a mask mandate. So, but actually, because I live in Georgia almost everyone was wearing these masks wherever we go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty much 90 to 95% of people that when we go to the grocery store or we go out anywhere, people have the masks on. Yeah, um, for sure. So if, if, you know, if, you're, if you look at these charts and they're saying, well, we're having these surges in these different regions and pretty much it's like that all over the US. I, I don't think there's really any region where people are not, not doing this, even if there's a lack of a mandate. So that more than anything to me, it shows that if there is an effect, so getting back to the science of it, yes, it's superficially plausible that it would have some effect. And the reason for that is prior to COVID, it was not controversial for people that are sick to wear a mask or for people that weren't sick being around sick people to wear a mask. It makes mm -hmm. sense because sick people do what? They, they cough and they spew out um, infectious particles that that's that's why they do it and that's why they would do it in hospitals particularly when they had flu because if the patients were sick they're obviously going to be coughing so let's put a mask on them so they're not spraying this all over the room that makes complete sense um so where it's kind of gone off the rails is this idea of uh, asymptomatic spread and you know we can't know it you know anybody might have it so everyone has to wear the mask um and the, the science behind that is just, it doesn't back it up. And it's extremely, even to the extent that there is something there, it's extremely ten, tenuous at best. So what they've done, various research groups, um, they'll either analyze um, particle emissions. So they just look at strictly uh, 
the aerosol particles that come out of your mouth when you're speaking or when you're coughing, they, there's a different size of them. There's a below five uh, micrometers and then above five micrometers. So basically above five micrometers is more of a, uh, I guess they call it a, it's a particle, more like, um, not really, I don't want to spittle, but it's fairly large. And then below that, it's more of an aerosol. Um, so it's a very, very fine mist that you can't really even see. And um, so they, they look at, okay, does the mask reduce the, the, the rate of that coming out of the person. So what they'll have them do is they'll breathe into a machine and then they will collect on the other side and see you know, how much has the mask limited that. And they'll look at different masks, N95, surgical cloth and so on. And of course they, they, they all do that. I mean, without anything, of, I mean, that, that just makes intuitive sense. And that's what we would expect that obviously it's going to catch something. So at first glance, like, oh, well clearly, you know, it's stopping this. So, you know, we know there's a virus on it so it must be stopping it. Um, but other studies have shown when they actually look at the virus load on the particles. And this was a study, I think it was Nature, where is it? Nature Medicine, I think that, yeah, Nature Medicine, respiratory virus shedding and exhaled breath and efficacy of face masks. And so in that particular study, they looked at the actual viral load on the particles coming out. And in the two cases where they were, where they were testing coronavirus, they also looked at influenza and rhinovirus. But in the two cases where they tested coronavirus, 60 to 70% of the symptomatic infected people, they could not even detect any virus. And that was without a mask. They're just wow. breathing in the machine and they couldn't even detect anything. In the cases where they did, it was, it was only 30 to 40%. And these are, not, these are very small numbers. So when I say 30%, it was three people. That wow. alone, that's not, if your sample lot size is, 10 or 11, that's not statistically significant. It, you know, it's, it's indicative of where you might want to look for more research, but there's, you can't really say with any sort of certainty that this, with a sample size that small, that that's going to be you know, uh, useful in, in making any sort of concrete conclusions. Um, and even in those, so where they did reduce it um, in those situations, the mass did reduce it. Okay, so they went from three to zero and four to zero. Okay, great. But the other 60 per 70 percent, they didn't even have they you couldn't even detect anything on there at all. So it's basically indicating that this idea that you're going to be infectious, even when you're sick, it's, it's showing, well, that's not really the case, that the viral load is, is very, very low. Um, I'm trying to think what was I going to mention with that as well. Um, oh, that yeah, that basically the the the, the capacity at that level of the viral load for infection was so low that they couldn't detect it in most cases. And so they had to basically say, well, we assume it's this level because you know, there's nothing there, you know, it, it was undetectable in the machine. And they did not um, analyze it for infectivity. They didn't actually take the sample and see, okay, can we culture it and grow it? Is it viable? So it may very well have been viral particles that were you know, basically dead and weren't doing anything. Um, so that's my train of thought. <laughs> uh, no problem. Yeah, um, so basically, that's kind of showing that. And so that particular study showed that um, the, the, the effect in this, to the extent that it's there, it doesn't really make much sense to have the entire population engage in this activity. Because right. even among those that are infected and that are actually symptomatic, the, the, the effect is negligible. So, but let's set that aside and say, okay, 
okay, okay, maybe the effect is, is negligible. It's very small, but it's, tr it's there. It's positive, it's greater than zero. Um, should we do this or not? Well, and that, that moves it from the realm of science more into uh, a policy position. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's a different conversation. We can have that conversation as well, if you'd like, but that's, that's kind of where it, it moves off the science and more into, okay, well, these, these are the, the benefits. Are there downsides? Um, and I, there, there are potential downsides. And there's some that I had not even thought about that, that people have been bringing up. Um, I think so. I think in a few years, we're going to see a lot of reporting on things. For example, the one that I hadn't even occurred to me is babies. There are many babies that have been born during this pandemic. Right. Basically not to any great extent seeing a human face. If they're in a family, in a community that really buys into this and that they're wearing the masks all the time, that has incalculable possible um, potential tolls on that child. Because we know that the human mind is... Uh, has evolved to recognize human faces. I, I, I was actually going to look it up before the show because I can't remember. I think there's a certain part of the brain that's actually attuned to doing nothing but recognizing faces. Sure. That's yeah, that's that's something I, I've thought a lot about because I, I have uh, twins that are 17 months old mm -hmm. and, you know, this is all they know. And we, you know, we, we wear them when they tell us to wear them in public. Other than that, we're not crazy. Right. But then I have a seven-year-old daughter who, Every morning, uh, the school district spent a bunch of more taxpayer money to hire extra people to uh, ride along on the bus just to, you know, shoot a thermometer in their head every morning with the infrared right. thermometer. And they got to put their little compliance muzzle on before they can get on the bus. And the it feels kind of like they're just teaching everyone to, you know, force compliancy and jump into line. And, and it, it, it does not sit well with me. Um, I, I don't like how this whole generation is just being taught to blindly follow authority without ever questioning anything. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the effects of what it could have on the youth is something that that's really troubled me when I think about it. And I, and I, I really hope I'm wrong about that, but what are your thoughts? Do you think that's, um, yeah, I think, I think there's potential for at least for young children, developmental issues that we, we can't fathom. And yes, I hope we are wrong. I hope it really is not that big a deal, but, there's a very good potential that, and, and if you multiply this across, you know, so, so the step back, the idea is, well, if the effect is small, but we apply it to a large population, it's going to have a, a tangible net benefit, a calculable benefit, but the downside could also be that if the downsides are very, very small, which they may be, but you multiply it by a very large population, you're going to have a measurable um, detriment to the population. So, Who's to say what that is? I, I don't know. I, I mean, and, and to, to suggest that, well, you know, some governor or some, you know, leader of some country or mayor has the, the knowledge and foresight to be able to say, well, yeah, let's just do this and, you know, assume everything's fine. So you know, it is the classic basket seen in the unseen. Well, we see people wearing the masks. So, and we assume that by doing that, we are saving lives. Okay, maybe. I, I would argue with that, but maybe let's say that's true, but we don't know what the downsides are. You aren't seeing them and they may not be apparent for some time, particularly with development or with um, the toll, mental toll on, on adults as well. You know, the example I used in my, in my article was that you would think, well, it shouldn't have any, shouldn't be a big deal, but people are putting in solitary confinement in prison. And that's very, very difficult for basically everyone. And you would mm -hmm. think, well, what's the big deal? You're just in a room by yourself. 
Why is that a problem? Well, it is because right. of the way we we are uh, socialized as a species, and so not being able to you know interact with people as much, or when you're out in society and just seeing all these these faceless um, these faceless faces because they're covered by masks, so there's fewer smiles, fewer interaction. People are kind of afraid to even get near each other because they're you know concerned that there's going to be some sort of you know I'm going to get infected or whatever. Um, so that's that's definitely a um, unknown unknown that we really don't know um so it, it, it's it seems to me very imprudent to just have this society-wide experiment this is nothing like this has ever been done before no the all of society is all going to engage in this one activity and we expect it to be zero risks or downsides whatsoever i mean I, the comparison i made is it's it's it, it's really more it's a lot like saying well uh, antibiotics work and that's true they work if you're mm -hmm. sick and you take an antibiotic, it'll kill the, the infection. So we should have everyone take antibiotics all the time because that will prevent infection and no one will ever get sick with these bacterial infections. That makes sense. And what possible downsides could there be? <laughs> and so sort of the third grade analysis of that would say, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, there, you know, what harm could it be if we do this all the time? Well, there are many, many harms that you can you can extrapolate from that and so, some are known which is why we don't do that but if we didn't you know have this sort of uh knowledge it's like kind of like well there, there's information that opposes the idea of universal masking um but that is just sort of swept to the side so we said well well if you take antibiotics you know you're going to develop bacterial resistance and that's going to lead to superbugs well that now yeah, then uh, we're not seeing that we've done it for three months and we haven't seen anything so that'll be fine so sort of this idea that, well, we've done it for a short time. We haven't seen a problem. Therefore, it will never be a problem in the future. And that's, that's just, that's not, that's very fallacious reasoning. And I just fear that it's going to take us several years until we get to the point where we see the downsides. And then you'll, you'll see in the mass media and the, the corporate press, the people talk about, wow, we're seeing, you know, these mental tolls and this, and, you know, such and such effect. And who could have known? How could we right. Really? <laughs> well, well, sure. But they I mean, we, we already see that the lockdowns are having horrific uh, side effects. And Tom right. Woods has been very good at, at being uh, outspoken and publicly about this. He's had several videos go fi pretty viral about it. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't seem to matter. Even the WHO came out and said that lockdowns are, are not advised. And right now, everywhere is talking about locking down. I'm in Illinois. Um, and, you know, we're, we're run by a tyrant uh, governor. And uh, yeah, it's like they just it's like they, they have this power and they they're drunk on it and they don't want it to stop. And they want it to keep uh, getting away with more and more, just micromanaging every detail of your, your intimate life. Um, so, I mean, how much of this is, do you think like an, a, a power grab from politicians when you see all the virtue signaling with the governors wearing the mask and then Joe Biden walking out in the debate stage and, pulling his mask off in front of the camera, like there's yeah. anything but theatrics. Um, how much of it is actually trying to stop a disease versus forcing compliance on the public? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it is about political power and, and, and getting that compliance, getting that obedience basically is what they want. They, they, they want to be able to have a, make these dictates and have everyone, you know, snap, snap your fingers and everyone does what you want. And, and, and I haven't really looked at it in other countries as much, so I might be mistaken, but it, the impression I get is that at least with the masks, it, it's more of a, 
more of an issue in the U.S. And I think that might have something to do with Trump and TDS. Yeah. <laughs> where the idea is, you know, well, the Republicans and Trump, well, they're just these backward rude Republicans. And, you know, Republican, we, we all know Republicans don't believe in science. And so we have to go out of our way to wear the mask at all times to project that we are on the right team. Wear the damn mask. Yeah, the damn mask. Just, just wear it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it, it's yeah, and that that's I find that frustrating because it's so condescending because it's coming from people that have mm-hmm. zero training in the science at all. They right. have not looked at the research papers. They don't see how tenuous the evidence is. They act as though you know they 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 it's you, you, you they're looking at a study on on, on gravity. And it's like well, we all know gravity is real. That we don't know theirs is not flat. What are you an idiot? Of course it's not flat. Well, okay, and they they sort of assume that that's the, the level of. Um, certitude that exists in these in these papers um so yeah so i think at least what i hear from you know other organizations like i think the who um well, now i don't remember what their stance is on masks but i think a, a lot of the other countries i mean they the other countries have scientists that advise their governments and they say you know universal masking just doesn't make any sense and so i, I can't imagine that they're all you know, right-wing crackpots in, in Sweden and in various other countries like this. So I think it's, I think here there's more of that partisanship against Trump and the Republicans. And I think perhaps I'm hope once Trump is out that that will cool down a bit um, because it doesn't really make any sense to the point where even on their own terms, people are wearing them in ways that don't make any sense. When, when, you know, when I see people wearing them outside, exercising, like it's just astounding it's like it's just reflexive at mm-hmm. that point like there's no basis in anything because even on their own terms it's like well obviously it's not going to do anything outside the wind is blowing you're, you're nowhere near anyone what so i i don't know how much of that is a messaging from the media if, if they've actually gotten people to sort of believe that this is kind of like anthrax in a way like it's this yeah, the, the this air is dangerous particles. to breathe yeah it's, it, yeah it's floating around in the air and if you breathe enough of it it's going to kill you it, and that's I don't, I don't know. I don't really understand, understand that, that rationale, but I do think getting back to the government control, I've seen other countries, like, for example, I saw something with um, Iran. Iran is into, is starting a lockdown. They, they have all of these um, mandates and such. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if it was just Western countries all kind of doing the same thing, following the same leaders, like, why would Iran do that? Cause they're really not part of that, that league of nations, so to speak. So I think that part of it is it's a crisis and governments love crisis because it gives them a reason to make themselves relevant. And so if you're going to continue that relevancy, you need to say, okay, well, there's this thing and it's going to harm you and we're going to tell you what to do to help you and save you. And so when it's over, we can say, well, you know, we instituted these policies and aren't we so great? And I was the leader in power at the time. So you need to reelect me or, or, you know, whatever process they they have in Iran. I guess they have elections in Iran, I'm not sure. Um, So I think everyone that's in power wants to maintain that power. And they believe that by instituting these these, these um, policies on the population, it will help bolster them to, 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 sort of, to um, solidify that power. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure for some of them, it's just a, you know, a power trip. These governors, that are, they're just at the stroke of a pen. Well, we're just going to shut everything down. We can say bars are open and restaurants are, you know, bars are closed, restaurants are closed. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a power trip for them. And yeah. that's unfortunate. And it's shocking that even in this country, that to the extent that, that people will accept that but i think you know it comes down to fear when 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 you make the people fearful 
they will grab it at anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, um, there's no rhyme or reason to anything either. Like you were saying, um, like when I take my kids to the store, I mentioned my twins are, are 17 months old. They don't have to wear a mask in the store. Like, well, yeah. they don't keep, cause they don't keep it on. Everyone knows that, but yeah. it's like, okay, so this deadly disease is it's okay. Like I'm going to bring my children in here. Something I'm that afraid of, but I, I put myself in this environment, but I'm gonna bring my kids in without this magical filter to keep the disease away. And they're safe. Right. Um, and it's like, I know they, they say that, you know, the kids don't get it and all that um, at, at, at any high numbers, but uh, it just seems so preposterous that if it's really that dangerous, people's actions don't match what their, what their belief is, because um, you would be very uh, cautious and sparing going out in public. If you were truly afraid you're going to die by breathing in the air, let alone right. bringing in your babies with that, without any mask. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the, the, the lack of rhyme or reason has been something that's really troubled me too. I'm just, I'm watching things go down and it's like, okay, I, I see how things in history happen where, you know, people wonder how the Nazis rose to power and everything. Um, when you see people, uh, you know, I, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but my friends send me screenshots all the time of their local community groups where somebody will snap a picture of a waitress not wearing a mask at a little dive bar and they'll yeah. be like, I went in here and this lady wasn't wearing a mask and someone will be like, yeah, call the health department. And it's like, they're just all these super citizens trying to, to, you know, rat you out to the teacher. Um, it, it's really scary. It's like, these are probably the same people that would be ratting on you if you were harboring Jews in your attic in 1930s Germany. Um, and it's yeah. given me a whole new perspective of how these kind of things can go south really fast. And I, I really hope that's not where we're heading. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's always and there's always a place, and we saw that in East Germany as well, where they, they the, the Stasi would, um, you know, recruit people to report on friends and family, and and I think it, it's unfortunately there's there's always going to be people like that. There's always going to be, um, I think that's the term Michael Malice uses, which is low status people. There's going to mm-hmm. be low status people who, in such a regime, will be able to find that they have power and status now because they can be part of the enforcement apparatus. And so they're, they're doing the right thing. And now they can uh, report on those that are not. And this instantly elevates them above you. And because whatever that edict is, has the force of law behind it, i.e. the violence of the state, there's not much you can do about it. So even though they may be this jerk reporting you, it's like, well, okay, but it's against the law, quote unquote. So you're, you're not really you can't just tell them to buzz off, which is what you would do in any other scenario. There mm-hmm. was just some arbitrary preference that they had about what you did or the way you lived or something. You know, if there was a you know, silly example, the whole thing with the low riding pants years ago. And if so if someone didn't like the way that looked, well, okay, well, they can tell you don't wear that. Okay, whatever, just ignore you. But if suddenly it's now it's a law, which they did in some communities, they made it illegal, they made it a misdemeanor. Well, now these people can, these busybodies are emboldened and empowered to um, see their preferences made manifest in the world. And that's, mm. that's unfortunate, but I think there's, unfortunately that, yeah, there's always going to be people like that. And I guess all we can do is try to avoid them, but I, I'm hopeful at least around where we live and we're in Georgia and we're somewhat more conservative area of the state. I think a lot of people, although they wear the masks, a lot of it's just, I just, I just, I don't need a hassle. I just need to get yep. along. I, it's like, and that's where I'm yeah, at. this is stupid. I'm ready for it to be over. 
I mean, so there isn't a lot of, so you see a lot of, you know, people not really taking it seriously, just paying lip service to it. So, yeah, that's, I'm in the same way. I'm out in a farm county um, in Northern Illinois. So it's mm -hmm. pretty red county and uh, people do it because they they don't want to cause trouble, but it's like, we all know it's nonsense. We're like, what are we doing? Um, But uh, what do you think of like uh, Dr. Fauci? Number one, I don't remember electing a national physician. Um, first of all, if, if I had any sort of um, health diagnosis in my personal life, the first mm. thing I would do is get a second opinion from another doctor. It seems like standard yeah. procedure. But for yeah. some reason, we, we all have to, to adhere and genuflect to our new master, Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, who I'd never even heard of his name until uh, the COVID breakout. And now he's become sort of a, uh, a celebrity or a religious figure of the radical left. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know that much about him. I don't really have a overly positive opinion on the man. Um, you know, my understanding is that he's, he's much more of a career science bureaucrat than an actual scientist per se. I mean, I'm sure he's trained and has all the degrees, but when you're someone in that position, you quickly make your way up the ranks in government. And, um, you know, and it's the same in academia it's often that, you know, you, you may be an excellent researcher and teacher, but suddenly you find yourself an administrator, you're the head of the department. Well, you're not doing a lot of research after that because you're head of the department and you have a lot of executive things that you have to handle. And I think that's kind of more of his role. So while he has the knowledge, you know, um, I think that he's allowed, he's allowed this himself to be elevated in this position because who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. If, if you're suddenly you you are made you know your your opinion now carries a lot of weight and you're going to um, maintain an opinion that it seems apparent that those in power want you to have and that's kind of the problem we have with government itself in other areas where it's it's a selection bias you know people would come to the conclusion that well people like Fauci and all the people that believe that we have to have these stringent lockdowns and masks and all these other sort of uh, um, policies, well, this, this must be it. I mean, he's a, he's, a, you know, he's a top scientist. He's got all these degrees, so he must know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's all you hear from because the scientists that are saying, um, no, we shouldn't be doing this. Well, people in power are not going to give them uh, a, 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 what's the term? Um, a, a speaking position, basically, because they're saying, well, in order to solve this, we really don't need the government to do anything. We need to do, you know, we, we need to do what we've always done, which is identify the vulnerable, isolate them, you know, make sure that, that we can keep them um, isolated from the population. And, and we have now early on, you know, you can make an argument, okay, we had to do these different things for quote unquote two weeks because we didn't know what we were dealing with, but we clearly know what we're dealing with. We know by and large who is vulnerable at this point. So it's, it's very easy to, um, make that determination, which is what they, you know, the, the whole Great Barrington Declaration is about. Is about you know saying, well, what we need to be doing is the policy that we've always had in the past, which is you allow the the, the population that's not at risk to go about their daily lives, and they will get infected, and they will have the sniffles and a cough, and then they will get over it, and now they will acquire immunity, herd immunity, which you know, you're not allowed to talk about that anymore, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's so silly how something that is completely non-controversial in science has become politicized, this idea yeah. of immunity, which it's, I mean, that's, that's what a vaccine does. A vaccine is just a more regimented way of uh, allowing you to get herd immunity by doing it in a controlled manner. And so I think, you know, and 
that that's where the other side on this equation they oh you're if we do it that way millions will die because they're ignoring the the science behind t cells and b cells and cross immunity from prior infections we clearly see that this has to be the case because there are countries like um, japan and, and a few others where um, infection rates are extraordinarily low because those countries have a history of being exposed to these viruses. For whatever reason, they seem to originate in the Far East quite a bit. So that, that alone kind of indicates that there is something else going on. It's not simply this, you know, this is um, the, what is it? The Andromeda strain. This is, not, this is not a virus from space for which no human has any type of immunity whatsoever and it's gonna wipe out the entire population and every time you get it, you die. That's not what this is. Coronaviruses are a known thing. And by and large, most people have some level of immunity toward it. Um, so it, I guess kind of circling back to the, the Fauci question, mm -hmm. we should not, yes, we should not only be listening to Fauci. There, there are many others of um, equal reputation um, that, that we need to be listening to. And, and, and that's probably the one area I would fault Trump is that it seemed early on he was only listening to Fauci. Like, why are we listening to just one person? Perhaps you should have brought in some more people. Um, so it's not really clear why he was at the helm for so long. And then and they, they bring in Scott Atlas and then the left completely loses their mind because, oh, well, he's not, a, you know, he's a scientist, he's a doctor. Oh, but he's not the specific <laughs> type of scientist. Therefore, his opinion has carried zero weight. But you can have some, you know, some child psychologist that will uh, talk about what, you know, what we should be doing to combat coronavirus that exactly correlate, you know, coincides with what the, the, the mainstream narrative is and well, we need to listen to this person. So it's, it's very, it's um, very disingenuous, very hypocritical the way the, the press and the media handle this. Sure. Now, so what are your thoughts on this, this vaccine and where do you think we're heading? Is this going to be something that they're going to mandate and try to put in everyone's body? Is there going to be, um, religious exclusions or philosophical exclusions if you, if you don't want to take it? Or could they just make it so it's almost impossible to exist in society where you, you can't get on a plane, you can't go into stores unless you have proof of a vaccine, you can't go yeah, to Yeah, this, this is my biggest fear that this Same. is where this is going. Um, and this is where, I, not to get conspiratorial, but this is where I start <laughs> thinking, well, I don't believe in conspiracies, but... Yeah, there's been a lot of this year. It kind of makes you think because basically... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It would be the, the level of hype we've had over this. It would be very easy to justify, well, this, you know, this deadly disease, it killed hundreds of thousands of people. Everyone has to have this, this vaccine. 
And it would be very easy to, they're already talking about it, tying the vaccine to, you know, some type of ID or to a passport. So what I foresee them doing, and so I'll just make the prediction here and we can come back in a few years and see if I was right. Sure. I, hope, yeah. I hope I'm wrong, Me but too. is that they will tie it to your driver's license or to whatever form of national ID one may have that you cannot renew until you have proof of this. And then it will become a requirement to basically enter any building, any store, any venue, traveling, working, basically any way you interact with, with people in any kind of public setting other than like people coming to your house, the government can mandate in some way that you have to show your ID and that ID has to carry this vaccine you know, approval that you've, you've received it. Then they have instant control over all aspects of your life because that's just the gateway, the vaccine. Then they can add, then they can add on additional conditions as well. They could say, well, you know, there's a requirement that you meet some, uh, you know, health standard. You know, we're going to have the national health care at some level. Well, you you you'll you need to you know visit the doctor every year, or you need to. Um, I'm trying to try to think what other um, mandates basically that they would want you to comply with, and and I can see it very easily becoming digital, which would be even worse because, you know, with the way cars are going, they could simply make it, well, your car won't start if your digital ID does not show you've been vaccinated. You're not allowed to go out in public anywhere because you're a danger and you're a threat. And so it, it, we, we basically moved down this, you know, this, this 1984 type of world where. Yeah. I mean, five years ago, if you said that you would sound like Alex Jones and people would be like, well, yeah. this guy's kind of kooky. And yeah. now it's kind of like, please, I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong too. I hope, it's, it's, I hope I am. But the, but the uh, scary part is with technology, you realize even if they're not doing this, how easily they could do it if they wanted. Mm -hmm. All because we saw it with with the band aids with this vaccine with this uh, COVID stuff, it's very easy just with the stroke of a pen. Well, now it's a requirement that everyone do. You know, it, it, that's what's scary is we snap our fingers, everyone's wearing masks. Yeah, how long till they just wear the damn mask turns into just take the damn vaccine, then turns into yeah, just just put in the damn chip. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of I think I feel like we're being conditioned, uh, especially when I like I mentioned, looking at my daughter, watching all of her classmates, his face covered up at school. And um, basically, they're at, a, they're at a, a government institution just being taught to obey authority blindly. Um, yeah. and, and it's it's just something that I can see how that is a slippery, slippery slope. And um, it, it's I don't think enough people are hip to the fact of uh you know, they're ignorant to history and uh, human psychology. Right. They, they, they act like we're some kind of different being than the monsters that, that ran Nazi Germany and any of the other hundreds of socialist countries that have uh, ended in absolute carnage. Um, so they, they think that the American government government is above that and we're benevolent and we're all in this together and we're, we're trying to help each other. So they, they willingly will line up for this vaccine. I, I know people that can't wait. It's like you're going to put something in your body and you know nothing about Um I mean, as far as the speed, they expedited that. It's like, you, wouldn't you want a little data to run off before you put something in your body? Yeah. Um, but it, it's just this blind faith to government. And I don't know, it does not sit right with me. <laughs> it makes me very, very nervous. Yeah, yeah. and I've heard of other things with the vaccine. I don't know if they could do this or how far out it was. I didn't really look into it, but I know there was talk of like a, a quantum dot, basically, where it's some type of um, nanoparticle that... I guess can basically be read um, by uh, near field um, NFC devices. So it would basically prove they could scan you and it would prove that you had the vaccine within the proper time frame. 
and so there would be information encoded in it so that that's even that's even scarier yeah <laughs> because you you can't you can't get away with it like you can't even you can't find a crooked doctor who's going to say yeah i gave you the vaccine and that here you go here's your stamp mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh yeah they, they they're not going to let you do anything without it and I, don't know, I guess it would it might create like a whole underground black market society where people that don't want to you know engage in this that's where i'm hopeful I am a little hopeful because I, I I mentioned this on my my first show and I had Matt Erickson from the Jason Stapleton program on here um, that we're seeing a, a pendulum swing back. You're seeing a lot of people starting to push back in a lot of different ways where they're tired of the radical left kind of just jamming their their uh, views down everyone's throat and controlling our lives. Um, for instance, we talked about the the Cuties uh, documentary or movie that was on Netflix um, mm-hmm. that was you know basically. Uh, you know, little girls in skimpy outfits and, yeah. you know, the free market spoke and Netflix had an 800% decrease in subscriptions after mm. that. So that yeah. was, that was encouraging. Um, yeah. Then when you look at the the groundswell for Donald Trump and all the, all the people at this, at the uh, going to events, the super spreader events to keep, you know, the, the media calls them those names, but they don't care. They keep going. They're like, we're, we're done right. listening to you. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's power in numbers and I see a lot of people starting to push back. So, that's what I was going to ask you next was, do you, do you think if they tried to do it, what percent of the population you think would, uh, would not go willingly? It depends on what they're, what they're going to try to require and how quickly they're going to do it. Um, because that's, that's sort of the, you know, it's the, the frog in the boiling water metaphor, mm-hmm. which is how they did it in Nazi Germany that, you know, it, it's first, it starts out with, well, we just have these rules. Of, well, the, the, the Jews, they, they just need to register. They just need to register. And then it becomes, well, the stores need a special license. And then, oh, well, now you got to wear this star. So every, every little thing, everyone goes along with it because it always, it's just, well, it's just this little thing. It's just this little thing. Don't make a big deal out of this little thing, um, which I kind of find the mask to be that, you know, let's, let's mm-hmm. not make a big deal about this, not the hill to die on, whatever. But there's a next step. And so the, the, I, I feel the mask for the first stage to establish universal obedience everyone needs to be obedient and so the next stage will be the vaccine and i, I don't think I don't, there might be a little more pushback than with the mask because i think some, some more people understand that's well you're injecting something in my body and I, you know, we don't know what the side effects are and yeah it seems safe but yeah most people don't you know it's it's one thing where okay well it's a mask and i can take it off and put it on the put it on the table this once you put it in there i don't know what it is and there's not much i can do to get it out um, so it just depends on how quickly they, they try to, to do that. If they roll it out over five years, yeah, you, you may see more. It, it basically just going to come down to, are they going to mandate it or not? If they don't mandate it, it's not going to be a big deal. But or even if it's mandated for some things like, oh, what's well, mandated for, you know, for school. Um, but th- there's lots of tricky things they can do. I mean, I could see them, you know, have, they could basically uh, enroll um, Dragoon employers into part of, their system where well you know all your employees have to have this mm-hmm. and you can't hire anyone without this and we already have that we have a system oh I forget the acronym where basically every employer i have a company so we have a fair number of employees and we have to run them through basically this government system that has to do with um, to make sure that they're authorized to work that they're not legal aliens or whatever so you have to go through that system you have to be cleared by it so it'd be very easy to augment that system to, well, you need your vaccine status and it needs to be in that system and you can't get a job unless you're in there. Um, 
And most people are like, well, I need my job. What am I going to do? You know, most people are not going to go on strike. They're not going to quit because it's going to pretty much be everywhere. So this, if they make it all encompassing, make it very difficult to get around, most people are just going to give in because at the end of the day, it just seems like it's, it's just not worth the effort, but it's all these little things. And then once they start doing that on a regular basis, then you can add on one more thing. Oh, well, now it's tied to your ID. Oh, well, now it's tied to your ID. Now, in order to shop or to have a bank account or to travel or to, you know, a whole host of, of things that are rights that they turn into a licensure to, to be able to exercise. Now, now you have to have this. And just like that, they flip the switch. And, and by that, that point, it's too late. Um, so I think if they're going to do it, they're, they're going to be smart. They're not just going to come in next year with a universal vaccine mandate and apply it to um, your driver's license and, and say you can't work without it and all that. Because I think you would get a lot more pushback from people instantly because a lot of people can see the ramifications of that. But if you, you bring it in slowly, each little thing, it, it's harder to get people to get upset over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, do you, do you think they have the, I mean, I guess anything's possible now, but for, I mean, keep dragging on this pandemic for, for years. I mean, they, they just keep, I don't I mean, know. I, I, I'm astounded that it's still at this point. Oh, me um, too. Yeah. I just, you know, because some people are, you know, I think even Fauci was talking about, well, we may not, we may not get back to normal until, you know, fall 2021 or early 2022. Like they just keep pushing it out. And my fear is that, okay, fine, but they're just going to come up with some new corona, you know, COVID-20, COVID-21, COVID-20, like there's always going to be something. There's always, there's always new flu strains. There's always these things coming down the pike. So they can, any one of them, they can pick and claim, well, we need to all wear the masks because this could turn into something. So in order to prevent it becoming this, that's what we're going to do. And because now we've already established this idea that masks uh, influence infections, it's a no-brainer for them to do that. And they, they do... The reason for the mask, and what I said early on, is that it's not so much about reducing the spread and controlling the disease. It's more about the visuals. It's more about, it's a visual reminder to everyone that there is a crisis going on. And because of this crisis, well, we need the state, we need them to you know, help us, and we need to turn to our leaders. And that keeps them relevant, because I guarantee you, if there was no mask mandates, no, almost nobody would be wearing them and, and everyone would have completely forgotten there was anything going on. Mm -hmm. Because if you actually look at the numbers out there, the number of deaths, the number of deaths is where it really stands. It's incredibly small, relatively speaking, to past, you know, um, these, these epidemics seem to roll in, in decennial amounts every 10 years or so. And there's a epidemiological reason for that, but I won't go into that right now. But basically that's what they, it's a regular occurrence. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's that it, the, it, we're really caught in this case demic. And the only reason is because we have this hyper focus on testing everyone and, and claiming that everything, you know, every death is a result of COVID, you know, the, the, the other side would price to claim that, well, there's, you know, we're undercounting. I say, no, 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 we're, we're way overcounting because we're at the point where no matter what you die from, if you also happen to have a test PCR test that shows any sort of viral debris and you had it, well, well they, they died of coronavirus, which is why we see the, the symptoms for coronavirus are so varied. They're all over the place. Oh yeah. It's everything's COVID. It, it's yeah. my, you know, your eyes are, you have your eyes are gene or something or red and it's like, Oh, that's a symptom of COVID. You want to get tested. And it's like, yeah. oh, no. um, but uh, there, there's something else that I was kind of uh, want to ask you about. Oh yeah. So 
this is something I I, I was asking my friends because I was kind of doing a little small test just around uh, people I noticed to see what they would come back and say. Um, mm-hmm. If you if we had no internet, no television, no news sources coming in, no 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 agendas and um, you know propaganda talking about the pandemic, and, and you never heard anything about it, what indication if you just went outside and were living your life right now without the news or the internet? Would you have that there's a pandemic going on? Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. The hospitals are not overflowing. In fact, there's less people there because everyone, uh, you know, like uh, they're laying people off around here because they, everyone got ready for the surge of COVID cases and it never happened. Right. And so the hospitals are actually less uh, packed. Um, I mean, even the ones ones that are, they claim, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're overwhelmed. They're, you know, they're, they're 90% capacity. And, and this is, you know, that's the problem with reporting. Um, is that there's no context. Yeah. So, and okay, 90%. Wow, that sounds terrible. I mean, wow, they, they must be getting pretty crowded. But when then, if you look at prior years, that's the normal capacity that the hospitals operated at. They want to be at 80, 90%. It's like a restaurant. Restaurants don't want to be at 5% capacity all the time. They want to be <laughs> right. packed all the time because they're making money. Hospitals are the same way. They, they, they build their staff and beds and spaces around maximizing profitability, and you're more profitable at maximum capacity basically so it's it's really not significantly different than any other any other time i mean there, there were there were there have been you know flus um uh, even 2018 i think there was you know, the cover of time magazine they, they're showing you know the flu the, the beds overflowed out into the parking lot for the for the flu mm-hmm. and, and it's like yeah well that's terrible but we didn't shut down society we didn't do all these insane measures and it's i, I that's the part i can't understand it's sort of this weird math psychology experiment where one one person kind of it's like I'm trying to think what the, the analogy is where one person starts humming this tune and then everyone starts humming it then no nobody can stop it's like we got to keep doing it and no, nobody wants to stop it's like buying toilet paper yeah but, but getting back to what you were talking about with um you know if we didn't have internet we weren't seeing the constant you know news fear mongering which is what we saw basically there was a very big flu epidemic in 1969 and that based proportionally based on population killed far more people than this one has. Now, it's fewer people, obviously, but the population was lower then. But if you adjust for population, it was, it was just as many, if not more. Life went on completely normal. The news clips, you know, in the paper would say, oh, well, there's this influenza, you know, pandemic going on right now. And, you know, these people died here and this is, these hospitals are a little busy. And there was a handful of schools where they closed down, but it was only because the, a lot of the students went home. But by and large, you know, the vast majority of universities were open. It was only like really small, out of the way private schools that you know didn't have a big enrollment. Um, they they closed down or they had fewer classes. But life just went on completely normal. They they had Woodstock. You know that's the story, right. the story going around Woodstock during a pandemic. It's like yeah, and it's no it's no big deal. And and that's really that's really what you want. You want your non-risk population to be exposed to build up immunity. It, that's there's we're doing completely the wrong thing. And I think that's part of the problem. We're, we, we've dragged this out far longer than it would have had we not done this. And fortunately, Sweden, for the most part, um, stayed the course. And we can see that now, you know, their, their deaths are far lower. Um, their, their cases are far lower. Everything indicates that they, they did the right thing, which is what we've always done. It's the rest of the world that's kind of doing the, the, the experimentation. Yeah. Um, that's very, uh, 
it, 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 the, the Sweden case is the one that they don't really want to talk about, which is so ironic because that's been their, their poster child of democratic socialism for the past right. you know, four or five years, which, which is completely, it's, it's a whole other argument to debunk. But um, wh- wh- how does this uh, parallel like the, the Spanish flu? Do you know much about that pandemic in 1920, was it 1919? Yeah, I, I don't know enough to really speak on that. Okay. Because so, yeah. um, I, I know um, that... I don't know about the numbers or, you know, how many people died of that or anything, but I was always kind of curious what was that herd immunity that made that go away or cause, or they, did they have a vaccine back then? Or, um, I don't, I don't think they had a vaccine. I think, um, I'm trying to remember, I've read something about why, why they thought it got, and part of the problem that it got so worse was because of world war one. Yeah. <laughs> you had a lot of soldiers overseas and then they're in very tight quarters and then they came back to the U S and it kind of, you know, it's, it, spread it here um to a great degree and this is a funny but the funny thing about that is they call it the spanish flu but that's not where it originated it i forget where it originated now it may have been i i don't i don't not spanish you'll you'll have to google it It was not (laughs) the thing was wherever it was there was an impetus to not have it reported in the paper because they didn't want people to be scared and not come visit that particular country or region Oh, interesting. So all, I think it may have been most of Europe. And so they just completely suppressed any information about it. And Spain was the only country where they didn't have that as an issue. So they just reported on it in Spain because it, but it was going on everywhere. But only because Spain was reporting it, they called it the Spanish flu. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I learned recently just the side, I mean, just a side of the little uh, fun fact of history that both the, the uh, Dodge brothers from the Dodge Motor Company passed away from the Spanish flu in like 10 months really? apart from each other. It was really sad. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I think the Spanish flu, it represents a, a sort of a primal fear because it was, I mean, millions died. And so people kind of think this could happen again, this could happen right. again. But I don't think that's true because it was a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Medicine is much more advanced now. I really, honestly, I don't think we could have anything like the Black Death or the Spanish flu again. Like we could have such a disease, but because of the, the, the state of technology with, with medicine these days, and the number of hospitals, I, 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 we simply would not see that level of, of death because most of the deaths were because there was no treatment. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. It's... But even with this, there really isn't that much of a treatment. I mean, I guess there are some antivirals that people take, but this, that's the funny, this one is basically fairly mild. Well, yeah, the survival rate, I just can't believe that. <clears throat> You know, when you're watching it play out, I mean, everyone, you, you would have been ignorant to not take it serious at first because we had no idea what yeah. we were dealing with. So, yeah. I mean, we, we locked down, we didn't go out of, out of stores, but then, you know, you start looking around anecdotally. And like I said, you shut off the inf- the internet and the, and the propaganda sources and you go, and then you hear through the grapevine, someone got it. Uh, it was, that was pretty bad. Oh, this guy, not really that bad. It was kind of just like, okay, but you know, my buddy's, I, I haven't heard of any, um, no one's cousins died. Like I know it's not getting close to home yet. No one's. Um, right. there's no clear thing where it's like, oh man, Jerry, he just got it in perfectly good health. He was the picture of health, 30 years old. There's none of that. It is, there's always underlying conditions. Even when the media tries to spin it, they, they don't mention, um, until the end of the article that there was a severe underlying health condition that contributed. Right. Yeah. Um, which once again, that, that just makes me so skeptical. It's like, why are you trying to fear monger me? Like why? I mean, and after watching everything with the election and the, the complete just, we don't have a, a free and open press anymore. We have state-run media, essentially. Right. I don't. I, I don't know where the line of truth and propaganda is drawn with you guys. So I, I just don't believe anything you say. Yeah, that, and that, that's a, that's a point I wanted to, to touch on is, is with the media. 
Um, there's two points there. One of them is that I think the reason we're caught up in this sort of um, feedback loop with the media and this and the, the reporting on this is because of the internet, because of what the internet has done to um, news reporting that in, you know, 40 years ago, you had your newspapers and you had your you know, the big three networks and they had a, a grip on that, that market and there was really no competition. So it, it was easier in the sense to say, well, we're, we're you know, there's, there was always kind of a bias, but for things like this, where it wasn't politicized, well, we can report on this virus that's, that's occurring in the population and we can rationally talk about it and put it in the context and because we're we're all uh, journalists and and we're seeking out the truth and we're going to seek out the truth and present all the facts because there really was no politicization of it but the internet has basically diminished the role of traditional media because now you have more internet outlets that can very quickly um, report on things and what is driving that is ad revenue so ad revenue drives viewership and so you need people to click on the link and go to the site and, and have eyeballs on those ads. So anything that is going to um, embellish or uh, make it more likely someone's going to click through, oh, wow, it says, you know, this virus is surging in this state and people, you know, it's raging. Wow, that sounds terrible. Let me click on that and look at that. So you mm -hmm. use this, this sort of language that um, inflames things and it makes people more, you know, kind of like, you know, when, you see a car wreck, everyone slows down. They kind of, well, what's going on over there? Okay, well, they're going to report on things in that way that kind of um, motivate people to um, click through and read on it. So you you don't really get the same level of um, dispassionate uh, truth-seeking. It's more about, well, how can I write about this truthfully? I'm not going to lie, make stuff up, but I'm going to write about it in a way where it's factually true, but not completely honest. Mm -hmm. uh, misleading. One, one, one of the examples I've seen is where they, you know, they talked about, well, uh, hospitalizations due to COVID, you know, are, are, are rising rapidly or it's, you know, this increasing rate. Well, when you dig down through, it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But the bigger part of it is that, well, there's people in the hospital, but they're not there for COVID. They just happen to have COVID. And because it was a PCR test, they're not even sick from the COVID. Like they're, they're, they're there for something else, but they got a positive PCR test because they're testing it at 35 to 40 cycles, which is completely ridiculous, but it shows that they have it. So, but the press is not going to differentiate that information. They're going to say, well, these people are in the hospital and they have it. Like, well, yes, that's true, but you're not giving us the context. But by seeing that, that sort of, um, um, uh, what's the word, basically embellishes things to, so that people are more likely to want to kind of view that article. Um, and, and because things have become politicized in this country, that it's, it's written, things are written more toward a particular audience, a left audience or a right audience. So those on the left are going to embellish their article in a way that is going to appeal to someone left-leaning. It's gonna, you know, this thing is terrible and it's all Trump's fault. And you know we need to. He's a terrible person. We need to get him out of office. So the, the article is kind of a lead-in to that. And so by doing that, my point is that it it maintains the hold on on their viewership because they're appealing to a particular segment of the audience. And, and the right does the same thing as well. Um, so it, because of that partisanship, it makes the reporting more partisan and less um, truthful in the sense of presenting um, 
everything within context. Um, and the other side of that, I think there's been somewhat of a diminishment of journalistic integrity, I guess, because mm -hmm. you, you don't really, it, since, since we just, we, we, need, we need articles and we need a lot of them because we need to get ad revenue. And every, you know, every 10 minutes, there's a new article about something because we need those eyeballs on there. And so, for example, there, there aren't, uh, I imagine perhaps there are science editors at these different media outlets that can read the article and say, well, you're not really, okay, you're saying this and it's true, but if you actually read the original paper, what they're, what they're saying is this. And so the original paper may be very truthful and basically talk about the limitations of the study. They say, well, the study indicates possibly that masks may have this effect. However, we did not look at this. We did not look at this. We did not look at this. These are other things that warrant further study. And so it, 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 it attenuates the, the result and puts it into proper context, which is what how scientific papers are supposed to be. Okay, we found this result. Here are things that we didn't look at. And this kind of sets the stage for where we need to go next. But when they write the article, they just look at, you know, the one, they pick out the one line, they cherry pick it out that kind of fits the mold of the audience that they're trying to speak to and they go with that and then move on. And so what you really need is you need a science editor at these, these different you know, venues, these different uh, media outlets to put that in context and you, and you don't really, you don't have that. So that's, you know, so I wouldn't necessarily expect the layperson who's not a scientist to read these and say, you know, to see study and think, gee, maybe this doesn't mean what I think it means. I should go mm -hmm. further and, and, and dig into this. They're, they're going to take it at face value. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the role of the media. They're supposed to give you the context. I'm not supposed to have to be an expert in every field on this. Your reporting is supposed to give me that context. So I don't have to, you know, have a degree in these things to understand them. And yeah, you, you see that. You see that a lot, um, especially I think the probably the best example is the climate change debate. Um, it, it's like, the the science once again it's just the yeah. science it's it's settled um for right. some reason it's not debatable all scientists agree which is a complete farce um but they they run with these narratives and there's like there, there's a certain uh type of person and i think they i think they're the the majority of the population that they don't they're incapable of, of uh, original thought and uh they can't they don't do their own research, impose their own arguments. So they rather, they rather than forming their own, their own argument or narrative or position on any given topic, it's like they just outsource their thinking to adopt an ideology. Say, like, yeah, that's that's what I believe. That's that's scientist. It's science. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 with science. I'm smarter than you, and I'm more right. virtuous. Um, and you see that with so many different things. It's kind of like the wear the damn mask thing. It's like, well, yeah. can you can you give me the evidence? Like, see, I'm trying to learn. I'm inviting you on because you know more than I do about the topic. And now I have a little more information to talk to the, to people about when I speak with them in, in a peaceful manner, not not right. trying to be rude or cuss people out because we disagree. Um, but people have to be doing their own investigation. Like my best example is college basketball. I know nothing about it. So you know what I don't do? I don't voice my opinion about college basketball during March Madness because I'm the right. worst person to listen to. Right. So you guys who li eat, you know, live and breathe for college basketball should probably be having those discussions. And likewise, with a pandemic, the the scientists and the doctors and the epidemiologists, these are the people that should be consulting with each other uh, objectively and and not for uh, you know fear monger and control the public. Right. Yeah, and, and I guess to bring it back to the science a little bit, there's a couple of points that I didn't touch on that I wanted to just touch on briefly. Is sure. that, so the idea behind the masks is they have all these 
benefits. Okay. But one of the papers um, that came out not too far back, basically they, they discussed some of the limitations and possible downsides to wearing masks um, because what they were looking at, they were just looking at particles. And so they, they, they kept the particles the same, but they looked at different types of masks N95, surgical cloth, so on and so forth to see the, how much those particular masks decrease the, the, the particle count. And what they actually found was that for the cloth mask, the particle count increased. So hmm. that obviously doesn't make any sense. You, you, there isn't going to be more coming out of your mouth because you're wearing a cloth mask. So basically what that is happening is that the material on the mask itself is coming apart oh. <laughs> and releasing particles. So they you know, suggested that it, it could be possible that you could potentially have basically hitchhiking the virus on these particles. So you could be making it worse depending on the type of mask you choose. And, you know, cloth masks were kind of pushed on everyone you know, overnight because we're, we're trying to, you know, save and secure the N95 for the, 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 the healthcare workers. Um, but it was just sort of put out there as, oh, you know, they're all basically the same. It's no big deal. When in fact, it could be potentially making it far worse. Um, the other point is also that the idea is, People are told to wear the mask, but they're really not told how to do it properly. And so what you should be doing is you should have a lot of disposable masks, if you're going to do it, surgical or N95, and go through them several times a day. You may go through five of them in a day because what happens is if you breathe them, okay, fine, it's, it's capturing the particles, but they don't disappear into another universe. They're <laughs> on the mask. So as you continue to breathe through that mask, you are, depending on how much film has gone on there and how forcefully you're breathing through it, you may be very well aerosolizing that film of, of, of filth on the inside of your mask through the other side. So you may end up creating a, var, a far worse um, spread than you would otherwise. So for say for the first hour, you catch it all and nothing comes out. But then in the second hour, you've now built it up to this nice layer. And now as you're breathing and talking through it, you're constantly spraying out everything that had collected. So you, you could be transporting it from one location to another and then um, concentrating it. Um, so that that's a real risk and no one's really looked at that. And so the, these are the, the things that people say, oh, well, you know, there's no, there's no downsides at all. Well, there could be, and this bears investigation because you may very well be making it far worse. And in some cases, some of the, you know, the, the statistical, not the statistical, but the, 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 um, correlational data, the, the charts kind of indicate that because a lot of them do show, well, mass mandate started and then the cases simply skyrocket. So it's like, well, that seemed kind of odd that they would actually yeah. go up now. So that, that would imply either the masks do nothing at all and the, the virus is going to spread regardless of that, or perhaps the masks are making it worse in a, in a, in a, through a mechanism that we haven't really determined what that is. And so you might want to check that and, and, and make sure you're, you're not actually making it worse. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's the, oh, yes, that was an interesting one as well. They brought up that speaking. So when you're wearing the mask, often you can't be understood very well. So you tend to talk louder and raise your voice with yeah. much more force. So you basically negate the whole effect of the mask to begin with because it's having that influence on your voice. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it's inter these are things you you never. This is this is blasphemy. You can't say these things, but yeah. um, this are, these are the conversations people should be having. Like, those are very interesting points. That if that's all you heard on the news, 
people would be sold that masks are a bad idea. Stop wearing a mask. If, if, right. if what you just said was pushed by every single mainstream news network seven days a week for the next two weeks, nobody would be wearing masks. Right. Um, but like I said, you just you basically denied Jesus being the, the <laughs> son of God to them. Um, so that's what's so dangerous, too, is how it is. It's taken on a religious. Uh, I know I say it sarcastically, but it's it's pretty yeah. serious. They yeah. they replace God with uh, with the state. And, and it's, um, it, it's a, it's a, I even call it a religion prize and fair. It's a cult is probably more it's accurate. More, it's more cultish. Yeah. yeah. And science has kind of become the Bible because you don't, you just refer to, it's not even a Bible. It's a Bible with one word. It's science. an umbrella of nonsense. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I hate to dismiss it that way because I'm a scientist and science has its place. It has a proper role when it's not politicized in this way. Yes. It can help us understand the, the natural world using the methods of science it's it's a great fantastic tool but when it's co-opted by the state as as anything i mean if, if you have a state religion religion is wonderful it, it helps mm-hmm. people but if you have a state religion well that's horrible right right science um, is great but if you have, you have, a, you have, you have state science that's a horrible thing so as soon as it's you know education is wonderful but now when you have state education indoctrinate you can have indoctrination i'm not saying we have mm-hmm. that in the current system but well to yes. an extent we do fair amount <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got little kids trust yeah. me i see yeah <laughs> yeah but but basically anything that it has this has state influence um you know is it, going to be uh, adulterated in that way and it's not um it, it loses you know the, the the positive aspects to it simply by that because it's being used as a tool to advance the cause and power of those that that are in that position and so they're they're, they're going to dispense with the bits that don't really align with their interests and and keep the bits that do and if those bits are not completely honest you know so you can say it you know that that was one of the points of my other so you can say well masks work okay yes but we need to define work how how does the, how do they work they say work and they sort of assume it means they completely stop the virus and if we would just do it for six weeks it would completely stop and they, they, they keep saying this director of CDC said the same thing. They're better than a vaccine. It's like that, that literally makes no sense at all. Because <laughs> if you just look at these charts, it clearly you do not, you do not see that. And, and even if that were the case somehow, the idea that this is a possible route doesn't make any sense <clears throat> in, because it sort of it requires perfect adherence to a very strict set of guidelines. And so there's been some analyses, um, I think they've looked at uh, hospitals and, and prisons and the military was a study. And so in these environments where the adherence is 100% strict, I mean, obviously in a hospital setting, healthcare workers, they're wearing N95s, fitted properly, they know what they're doing. Okay, and in the military setting, I think that they, you know, they're, they're bound to follow the orders of their superiors and they are checked and they are all doing it correctly. Or in a prison where, well, you're in prison, you've got to pretty much do what you're told to do. Even in these environments, people are coming down with infections. So even in these very controlled, strict environments, you are seeing infections. How on earth would you expect this to work in the wider population at all, where you're going to have people that are not going to, they don't even know half of the things they should be doing. But you know, most of the time, they're wearing it very loosely, or they're touching them constantly. That's the worst thing you can possibly do is to touch it. <laughs> But that happens all the time. Um, and and that, that ties into some of the studies. When they do these studies, they have the person, they're blowing, they're talking into a fitted tube. It's completely sealed. All the air is going into the, the machine that is analyzing um, their exhalation. 
In the real world, that's not what's happening. You're breathing and air finds the path of least resistance. It's going to go out the sides, out the back, out the top. So it could very well be that even in a controlled environment, you could say, well, masks have a, a, a small measurable potential benefit, but in the real world, that's not how we're breathing. We're not wearing rubber gasketed seals around our face. We're, we're wearing these, these different masks of, of, of various, um, you know, strength. And if, if you're, you're and if, if they are, the tighter they are, the more likely they are, you know, it's going to go out the side. Yes. Now, some obviously is going to go out the front, but there's a, a non-zero fraction that's going out the side. And if you are infectious, it's not really doing much of anything. Yeah. I, I've seen, uh, I saw it one time and I, I could not believe what I saw. So I was telling all my friends, I just saw someone doing this and then, now it's become a common practice that I see almost every day when I go in public or at least at least a couple times a week is people wearing not a mask, but they put like a, a plastic shield that you'd wear if you're like yeah. grinding metal. Yeah. And, and I'm like, <laughs> what is that doing? Like, what, what do you, what, how do you think air travels? I mean, maybe if someone sneezes in your face. It, I mean, yeah, I think those stuff. are supposed to, yeah, I think those are, yeah, I guess it's basically in case someone sneezes around you or, or you <laughs> sneeze. That, that's about the only effect you can possibly But just once again, to point out the inconsistencies and the, the no rhyme yeah. or reason, yeah. stores let people wear those. And it's like, so wait, the, the nose and the mouth can be exposed. Yeah. But as long as there's four inches off the front of your face, a piece of plastic. Um, well, we're running a, a little over an hour here, but there, there was one thing I wanted to ask you completely unrelated to the, the topics that we've had. Um, I, was, I was reading a little bit about you on your website before I uh, started recording. You had a very interesting philosophy about porcupines that really yeah. stuck out to me, something I've never thought of, um, yeah. but you, you made a very good point on. Do you want, do you want to elaborate that for the listeners? Uh, yeah, although I don't think it's original to me. I think I stole it from somewhere. <laughs> I think that's. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, the porcupine is, is the, I think, you know, porcupine fest they have in uh, in uh, New Hampshire. But, but okay. the idea is that the the porcupine as an animal, um, you know, he he doesn't bother anyone and no one bothers him. And um, so that that's that's kind of the the idea that you know libertarians we're we're gonna we're gonna live our own lives. Leave me alone. And I'll let you live your life. The porcupine doesn't go up and he doesn't attack others. And I think they feed on insects, um, but they don't use their quills for offense, only for defense. So I think that's a, a another part of the symbology there. Um, although I could, I suppose it's probably um, feeds into the the, the 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 sort of the straw man analogy that libertarians often get, which is, oh, well, you're all about you know the individual and you know sort of this this um, idea that they, they kind of take Ayn, Ayn Rand's philosophy and say, oh, well, you know, you're always saying you can only have individuals and you can be no cooperation. We all have to live as these isolated, you know, mm. people in bubble. It's like, no, that, that's not what it's not the free market. We have, there's plenty of cooperation. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just voluntary. Yeah, I've I've really shifted away from even giving myself a title. I mean, I've definitely subscribed to, you know, most uh, libertarian beliefs, but I realize people box you in when you say that. They think you're yeah. a Joe Jorgensen supporter or a Gary Johnson person um because yeah. lp is a joke and um yeah. so i really just you know I, if someone wants to talk to me about my political views i just just have a discussion on a topic i don't need to give you a label right. of where i'm at and let's let's see who can articulate a better point and, and see if see where you stand when we're done yeah. um so I, I i call myself more of a voluntarist i think all, all human interactions should be voluntary and, and yeah. I, yeah. I have a hard time finding anyone disagreeing with that um even when i'm talking to a bernie supporter who wants to confiscate money out of my check for right. their life choice to go to college um but yeah so that's yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's basically where i stand i mean i i, I 
switch between voluntarist or anarchist depending on how, how much i want to trigger the other person <laughs> yeah anarchist is just a word it's like okay this it's, guy's a lack yeah the downside it's, it's a loaded it's a loaded term yeah um, I, gonna... I do like a uh, hoppa's phrase though it's, it's it's more wordy but it's probably closer um to the actual philosophy which is the uh, private the private law society okay yeah i like that so that's you know and and, and maybe you know that that can you know uh, engender conversations of someone you say that like what does that mean because if mm-hmm. you say anarchist they immediately you know all the negative imagery comes to mind and then you're having to spend the first 30 minutes unpacking why anarchist doesn't actually mean what the media you know would have you believe it means yeah yeah it has like a, a kind of a sting and then once again it boxes you in where people are like okay yeah. this guy's off yeah. his rails rather than hearing you out on any one discussion but uh well greg thanks so much for coming on today um if you want to give any plugs to your website or tell people where you can find you we can uh, go ahead and do that now yeah, uh, well, my web- website is just my name, gregmorin.com. Um, it's also porcupinemusings.com, so either one of those will um, point to the same site. Um, and uh, if anyone would like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Greg T. Morin. That's M-O-R-I-N. I'm always uh, eager to gain more followers there, so uh, check that out. I try to tweet fairly often um, with some of these uh, insights that, that hit me every now and then, so... Right. But, uh, yeah, it was a great conversation. Thank you yeah. for uh, reaching out. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks a lot, Greg. Okay. Thanks. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.